Our number one rank on this year's list is Altos Labs, which raised $3 billion. Yes, billion with a B. That's Gabrielle Mason, a staff writer here at Fierce Biotech. Later, we'll hear more from her about biotech's top money raisers of 2022. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. Today is Friday, April 14th. Here's Ben Adams to give you all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Johnson & Johnson had nearly $95 billion in sales last year, the second most in the pharma industry. But facing a mountain of talc lawsuits, the company is trying a strategy that might seem counterintuitive, bankruptcy. Over the last 18 months, Johnson & Johnson has tried to get its bankruptcy approved for a company that it created out of thin air. Last week, when a judge denied the ploy, Johnson & Johnson tried it again, refiling two hours later. Call it Bankruptcy 2.0. This effort comes with an offer to settle claims for $8.9 billion. As Kevin Dunlevy reports, 17 legal firms are supporting the initiative, but a 14-person plaintiff steering committee of lawyers does not. In an interview with Fierce, Leo Dell, one of the lawyers, called the move to file a second bankruptcy shameful. An $8.9 billion settlement works out to be about $120,000 each for the over 70,000 plaintiffs, including many who have ovarian cancer. The firm supporting the initiative want to put the decision in the hands of claimants. If 75% signed off, the deal could be approved. James Merdeker, an outside counsel for J&J, also told Fierce that if the vote is put to claimants, more than 90% will accept. He said, overall, it's fair if you look at other mass tort settlements in terms of average claim value. Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes recently tried to push back her prison sentence while appealing her fraud conviction. But the judge ruled that she'll have to turn herself in at the end of this month. A judge can choose to allow a convicted defendant to remain out of jail pending appeal if they've proved they meet a few criteria. As Andrea Park reports, in the ruling filed this week, Judge Edward Devilla took issue with one of those points, that Holmes filed an appeal with a high likelihood of winning a reversal or retrial. He concluded that it's unlikely that the appeal will overturn any of the four counts of defrauding investors that she was found guilty of last year. Holmes is now scheduled to self-surrender on April 27th. The government hasn't yet confirmed where she'll be spending her 11-year sentence, but the judge recommended in his November sentencing that she be sent to a minimum security all-women federal prison camp in Bryan, Texas. Abbott has warned some 4 million users that its Freestyle Libra blood sugar monitors may have dangerous battery issues. The batteries are similar to some of the lithium-ion batteries found in smartphones. They could swell and overheat, and even spark and catch fire in some very rare cases. As Connor Hale reports, Apple messaged its users and urged them to keep their devices clean and stored properly. The FDA seconded those points in its own notice to the public last week. The FDA dubbed the issue a Class 1 recall, its most serious rating. Users aren't required to return their Freestyle Libra readers to the manufacturer unless they've had a problem. Both Abbott and the FDA recommended that users only charge their devices with the included power adapter and cable as third-party charges can deliver too much electricity and cause them to overheat. According to the FDA, 206 incidents have been reported, including at least seven fires. Abbott said the cases represent 
about one one thousandth of a percent of the total number of its devices worldwide. Philips is recalling more than one thousand CPAP and BiPAP machines. This isn't the first time. Those same machines had already been recalled two years ago. As Andrea Park reports, Philips began the latest recall in early February. In a safety notice published Friday, the FDA gave the recall a Class 1 rating, agency's most serious. It covers 1,233 Dream Station sleep therapy devices that have been reworked and returned to customers last year as part of a previous recall. The re-recall in February came after Philips discovered that some of those reworked devices may have been assigned incorrect serial numbers when they were being reprogrammed. If that happens, the device could go wrong or stop working altogether. To date, Philips has received 43 complaints related to the issue, none of which contain reports of injuries or death. Just this Wednesday, Fierce Biotech was awarded an ASBE Regional Award for Best Headlines. The ASBE Awards honor the best in business-to-business media, and we're honored to be recognized. Congrats to the Fierce Biotech team. Now on to Nationals. Every year, Fierce Biotech pulls together the industry's top money raisers for the year before. This year was no different. Staff writer Gabrielle Mason and editor-in-chief Ayla Ellison are here to discuss the list. Most people know that biotech endured some rocky conditions in 2022, and private financing in the sector was no exception. So after two record-setting years, fundraises finally fell, dipping 24% from the highs of 2021. And that's when investments hit $28.5 billion, according to Evaluate Vantage. Yeah. So in 2022, private biotech investors put down $21.7 billion, which is about $7 billion less than the year before in 2021. So the number of fundraisers also dropped by 25%, with 381 rounds last year versus 514 rounds in 2021. Wow. So, but the slowdown wasn't entirely unexpected, though. So that that peak was largely driven by the COVID nineteen pandemic, and as new therapies and vaccines for the condition were shipped off to market, that investment high became really just largely unsustainable. Right. So, like you're saying, it's it's not super shocking, um, and it's definitely not all bad either. Actually, our number one rank on this year's list is Altos Labs, which raised $3 billion. Yes, billion with a B. The company debuted in January with, you know, a super ambitious and kind of unspecific goal of transforming breakthroughs um, in our understanding of cellular rejuvenation into medicines. So the company has stayed pretty quiet on the specifics of their science, but they did manage to poach GSK's Hal Barron to lead as CEO, which is a pretty big deal. Um, The biotech is also backed by Amazon's Jeff Bezos, which could explain in part how it raised such a large sum. Yeah, that that amount is absolutely um, amazing. And I think that when we look at the rest of the list, um, you know, moving down, uh, there's absolutely no way that any other company did or could match that $3 billion that Altos brought in. Uh, But our runner up came in at $350 million, and it was an asthma centric biotech. And then third on the list, sort of rounding out that top three was Accelerant with $300 million. So maybe 
just maybe, the investors favored biotechs with names that start with an A. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you might be on to something there. Unfortunately, I'm going to kind of break that theory with some of the other big money raisers um, like Tessera, Crea, Emilex, Calliope, and Orna. Though Arsenal Bio does fit right in there with that theory. Um, this year was also a little different for us because we actually had a tie and included 11 companies on our list instead of the regular um, 10. So those companies um, in the tie were age-related degenerative disease biotech, Sironix, and inflammation-focused upstream bio which both brought in, you know, a respectable $200 million each. Yeah, I think that the the list of, I guess, the top 11 this year, technically, was since there was that tie, um, everyone, all of the companies bringing in really respectable amounts. Um, so, we, so we have a picture of what last year's financing for biotech was like. Do we have any insight so far for what 2023 is shaping up to look like, Gabby? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good question. The The crash from, you know, 2021 has been kind of brutal and pretty widespread. Um, it's equated into a nearly two year long bear market, um, basically, that is still very much occurring, though it does, you know, seem to be hitting public biotechs much harder. Um, so in recent months, you know, there's been some sparks of life um, starting to emerge for the market as a whole. And um, mega rounds have kind of returned um, back in March, including $112 million for Noma Pharma, $108 million for Bicara Therapeutics, and $100 million for Rapport Therapeutics. So it's, you know, it's definitely still way too soon to say um, that the industry is, you know, fully recovered or anything like that. But this is definitely a good sign for private financing. It's great to hear um, that things may be starting to look up and that might be a positive sign. And it'll be interesting to continue to track these financings for the rest of 2023 and then to take a look at the the next uh, edition of this special report uh, to see how things actually fared this year. Absolutely. We're already keeping track for next year. So (laughs) I'm excited to see what happens. And hopefully, you know, the industry as a whole has a little upturn. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Thank you so much, Gabby. Of course. Thanks for speaking with me, Ayla. Carl Icahn continues to angle for a change in leadership in Illumina. As Connor Hale reports, a billionaire activist investor has led a proxy fight against Illumina for the better part of a month. He is making a pitch to shareholders to vote for his nominees to the board of directors. Now he's saying they should vote out the CEO, Francis D'Souza, as well. D'Souza has led Illumina since 2016. Icon has also recommended that voters oust board chairman John Thompson, as well as Robert Epstein, head of the company's governance committee. The proxy fight revolves around Illumina's quest to acquire the cancer blood test company Grail. Illumina closed the $8 billion deal in 2021 without waiting for approval from international regulators. The FTC and the European Union have blocked the transaction and pushed Illumina to put Grail back on the market. That could be a pricey endeavour leaving Illumina with a tax bill totaling potentially hundreds of millions of dollars. Still, Illumina said it would appeal and continue its legal fights on both sides of the Atlantic, while describing Icon's slate of nominees as unqualified to help lead the company. Moderna had high hopes for its first seasonal flu vaccine, but so far the shot is struggling to prove its worth. On Tuesday, Moderna revealed in a pipeline update that an interim analysis of a phase 3 trial could not yet prove the shot's efficacy. 
Moderna blamed a lack of flu cases and promised to take another look at the vaccine's effectiveness at a follow-up analysis further down the line. As James Waldron reports, Moderna also revealed that it had taken an early peek at a subset of patient data to get a sense of how the vaccine is faring. The results showed a familiar pattern for the vaccine. The shot appeared to be more effective than are currently available flu vaccines for protecting against influenza type A infections, but it was less successful against type B strains. This echoed a similar problem revealed in February during a different phase 3 trial. To try and address this weakness, Moderna said it has already been working on an update to its shot that should boost its effectiveness against type B strains. In fact, the company expects to launch another phase 3 trial to test this improved version of the vaccine later this month. Sanofi just encountered a regulatory delay with its proposed acquisition of Prevention Bio. Zangas Liu reports, Sanofi said in a press release that it had to refile a pre-merger report to give the US Federal Trade Commission more time to review any anti-competition concerns. It is trying to buy prevention mainly for an FDA-approved drug that can delay the onset of type 1 diabetes. Sanofi is a major manufacturer of insulins for type 2 diabetes. But analysts at SVB Securities said in a note back in March that they saw a low regulatory risk for the deal because the two companies' businesses have little overlap. After last year's layoffs left Biogen's headcount down by over 800 employees, the company is trimming its workforce again. This time, the cuts impact Biogen's multiple cirrhosis team, according to the Boston Business Journal, which broke the news. It's not clear yet how many employees were let go, Fears Farmer Zoe Becker reports. According to a Biogen spokesperson, the layoffs were made to optimise the company's business strategies and align its cost and revenue base, the spokesperson told Fears Farmer over email. The company's multiple cirrhosis unit has seen a substantial sales dip thanks to generic competition to its drug, Techfedra. That's it for The Top Line. I'm Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodson. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. And that's the bottom line from the top line. 